Sally, uh, when she was speaking about her missional community, almost stole my whole sermon. Uh, I was like, don't say much more, Sally. Because actually what they were saying here, and as Sally was expressing it, she was saying, we want to be a family together. We want to be knitted together in Christ and help others understand who Jesus is. And we want them to become part of the family too. That's what she was saying as she explained what her missional community was about. We want to be family together. And as a family together, there are certain things that they're going to do. And she actually outlined a number of those that we're going to look at right now. And it's exciting because we've had that in action already. We've seen what that is. But uh, we're going to look together now about what this oikos, this household, this godly family, what kind of things do they get up to? What does an oikos look like? So you need to grab your Bibles and we're going to scoot back to Acts chapter 2. We're going to shoot back right to the beginning of uh, the, the church. And uh, again, Nigel mentioned that today's Pentecost Sunday, the day when the Holy Spirit came and the church, the first church were formed, went from being locked in a tiny little room to uh, bursting out onto the, uh, onto the Jerusalem uh, uh, front and saying, here we are, we're Christians. And Peter gives this amazing sermon. And then we learn afterwards from verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, what this kind of oikos, this kind of family, this household was like. And in fact, in the Greek, the word oikos comes up three times in this passage about God's household, about what these people, these people who were on the outside, who are now on the inside as God's family, what kind of things did they get up to? And uh, here it is on the screen for those of you who haven't found it. This is in the New Living, and I'll explain why I've put it there uh, in a moment. Let's just read it together, shall we, from the NIV. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Can you imagine living in that kind of society, in that kind of family? It must have been really, really exciting. But there were a few things we're going to bring out from this passage. And the first one is that actually it was a place of high challenge, but also high support. To have this kind of community involve sacrifice of time, of energy, of resources, involve commitment to one another, and again, it involved a lot of time. These kind of friendships that we read about here, this kind of family takes time, takes energy, takes commitment, it takes uh, people saying, right, okay, we're going to build together. We're going to spend time together. We're going to do stuff together. It's about being comrades together, about surviving life and supporting one another through it. It's about support and care. And uh, when someone's rejoicing, you rejoice with them. And when someone's in need, you help them. And when someone's crying, you cry with them. It's about supporting one another. And it's also about sharing life together. Now, there are a number of us around the church with slightly pink shoulders and arms because we were all in the park yesterday. My oikos was together in the park playing frisbee, eating food together. And we're all a little bit pink, so you can spot us. We were bad with the suntan cream. 
But actually, it was about sharing life together. As we, as we met together, God was there as we threw a frisbee. We were sharing our lives together, having a chat, having a laugh in the park, which was lots of fun, if not slightly warm. To have an extended family requires these things and way more. And as we can see from this passage, it really did take up a lot of their time. It wasn't something they could just add on after church on a Sunday. It was about sharing their whole life together. It was about high commitment, about high support, about loving one another, investing in each other. And some of the things they did uh, don't sound that challenging. They ate together. I'm good at doing that. The version in the uh, New Living, which is why I've brought it here, says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to sharing of the meals, including the Lord's Supper. Including the Lord's Supper. It wasn't the only time they met together to eat, to share communion together. They ate together a lot. In fact, it goes on uh, in 47 to say they met in the homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy. I'm good at sharing meals with great joy. I love it. There's miracles that happen around the table as we eat together. There are uh, family times as you have a meal together. There are laughs, there are jokes, but there's also times of getting to know each other better, of sharing resources together. How important is it that we eat together? Well, the cliche says a family that eats together stays together. And that's not just a cliche, it's true. Because a mealtime isn't just about the food. It's about having conversation of lives being shared, of hurts being shared as we eat together, about friendships being cemented. We need to look at, see how Jesus used meals. And Simon preached on this back at the beginning of the year, if you didn't hear it, about how Jesus ate with his disciples and ate with sinners and had parties with them. And it's no surprise that actually, just before he died, he turned a simple meal into meaning something so much more, the meal we now call communion. Jesus loved eating with his disciples because he knew it wasn't about the food It was about what would happen around that table. We have about 21 meals a week, or about 35 if you're pregnant. And that's a lot of meals. We talk about how building family takes time, but actually we all need to eat. So a question for each of us, how many of those 21 meals do you share with your oikos, with your household? Even if you just share one with your oikos every single week. You're going to see miracles happen around that table. Even if you share breakfast together once a month, you're going to see miracles happen around that table. As we eat together, miracles happen. Family is built. Household is celebrated. Let's uh, move on. The third thing uh, that we find out about this early church, this early oikos, was that they spent a lot of time praying and worshipping together. It's pitted throughout this passage, if you have a look. Uh, For example, there's uh, the three mentions there. In 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and they worshipped together in the temple each day in 46, and they were all praising God in verse 47. Prayer and worship for them wasn't something they just did on the Sabbath. 
This passage talks about the fact whenever they were together, they prayed, they worshipped. Their lives were full of moments when heaven and earth collided, when they had God moments, when their oikos worshipped together. They didn't wait for a church meeting. They always worshipped and prayed. As you eat together, how often do you pray? As you uh, play for his bee in the park, do you somehow worship God in that way? This is what these guys, this oikos, did. Their lives were so full of God, they could do nothing but worship and praise him as they met together. As they shared stories of what God was doing, they, it led them to worship. As they were in awe together of what God was doing, they worshipped and they prayed. And Oikos worships and prays together at every possible moment. And it wasn't sort of like, right, now we're going to pray. It was just natural. It was part of who they were. It's pitted throughout this passage. Paul says to pray continually. That's what they did in their oikoses together. The next one I know will bring uh, joy to you. They had fun together. Remember in uh, Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says that God has good things planned for us. Being family together is a good thing. Being family together is lots and lots of fun. And I wonder how uh, you have fun. They ate together and they had great joy. Uh, I always uh, find that a cream tea is good fun. Uh, I know quite a few of you, uh, well, some of the boys especially, find Nerf Wars lots of fun. Some of you dads do too. Uh, I find fun whenever there's laughter. And if an oikos doesn't laugh together, if an oikos doesn't go on Sunday afternoon walks or goes bowling or whatever it is that is fun, then oikos isn't going to be a good thing. And that's what God's promised for each of us. What is your idea of fun? Some of you would hate Nerf Nights. Some of you would love it. Some of you love cream tea. Some of you hate it. But what is your idea of fun? As a family together, what would you choose to do? Now, sometimes when uh, we decide to go for a walk, one of us feels like it and one of us doesn't, but we still do it. And sometimes you have to do things as a family that the other person doesn't want to do. Uh, When Lucy says, I want to take my scooter into town, we all groan. Because we think it's going to take 25 hours. And then we've got to get back up Burner Street. But actually, she loves doing that. And she enjoys it. So every now and again, we let her. And you'll see us halfway up, lugging baby and small scooter up the, uh, the hill. But actually, we need to have some fun together. The first church shared meals with great joy. That's a biblical phrase, isn't it? They shared meals and they had a real laughed together. They shared life and it was fun. God's household has fun together. God's family has fun together. But another one, if you look in verse 43 and in verse 47, we learn that this family was a family on the mission and we used those words as we were praying for Sally and the amazing mums and dads group. They're a family on mission together. Verse 43 talks about the oikos being amazed because of the miracles that were happening there. And verse 47 talks about the Lord adding to them daily the numbers of those who were being saved. Adding to them daily? Wow. That's an incredible concept. 
They were a family on a mission. They were allowing God's spirit to work in them and miracles were happening. People were being saved left, right and centre. This was God's family on a mission. The other day I was uh, talking to a friend of mine, a non-Christian friend of mine. She's a really good friend. And uh, she's often been around when my oikos uh, are uh, around ours eating or we're celebrating birthdays together or we're in the park. And I'll say, oh, why don't you guys come to? And uh, they've seen what it means for us to be God's household, to be God's family together. And she's never really commented on it until the other day when I was sat having a coffee with us, with her. And she said that she was amazed at how we related together. That she was just, she used the word jealous of the family that we had. And she said, you haven't got biological family here to look after your kids or whatever, like I have, but you're way more supported uh, than I am because you've got this family together. In sharing our lives with one another, We're sharing Christ with others who do not know him. This is so important. In the way that we relate together, in the way that we are family, we stand out to a world who needs to understand this and who longs for it and say, actually, Christ makes the difference. It's hardly surprising that Jesus said these words A new command I give unto you. You remember the good song in the 70s? Love one another as I have loved you. But this is the important thing. By this, your love for one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples. As we, as God's family, act as a family, as an oikos, others notice. Others who don't know Jesus see something different in the way we relate together, in the way we support one another, in the way we eat together, in the way we have fun together, in the way we worship together, in the way that we turn something that is just a giggle in the park into something different. As we become the family God intends us to be, others see it. That's a responsibility on us, but also it's incredible We all find it hard to tell people about Jesus, but actually it's not that hard. We show them by the way we treat one another, the way we create this oikos together, the way we allow God to use the family that he's placed us in. For those of you who have been thinking about people of peace, it's hardly surprising that this word oikos is used in Luke 10 when Jesus talks about uh, how we go to someone's household and we find a person of peace and we stay in that household. We become part of the household. You can look that up yourself. Uh, I could talk about that some more, but I haven't got time. Finally, and I think most uncomfortably, this passage talks about the fact that the family shared everything together. These are words over the years I've tried to ignore uh, because it's a bit uncomfortable. After all, I don't have any needs, do I? And my neighbour doesn't really have needs. We live in a very wealthy country, don't we? But here, here, the reality is that they recognised everything came from God And so all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. didn't say share a little bit of what they had. It goes on and says they sold everything that they owned. They sold their property, their possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. That's scary, isn't it? Or a little nod somewhere. Sharing everything we have 
with our oikos. You see, it's difficult because actually we want to be seen as supermen and superwomen who can provide for ourselves and who can look after ourselves and who can be in control of everything. We don't need anything really. But actually, once we begin to lose that and we realize that God calls us to be a family who shares everything together, again, that speaks of who God is. Ephesians 2 talks about the fact that we had nothing to offer God and yet still he saved us. That's what should be represented in our families together. That actually we all have nothing apart from God and therefore we share what he has given us with one another. That's what a good family does. If Lucy needs new shoes, I go buy them. If Katie Foe needs new flip-flops but hasn't got time to pop out and get them, I will do that for her. If I need someone to look after Lucy, then Kerry is the first to ask. If uh, I know need someone to pray for me, then I know about 10 people in my oikos who will be there within a flash. That's what a family does. And I would do exactly the same for them. So you've got two minutes to talk. How is your family at doing this? What elements are you really good at? What what things are you strong at in your oikos? In those people you talked about at the beginning, which ones are a bit more tricky? Which ones are harder? And I'd love you, if you have in the two minutes I'm going to give you, think about this last thing. What could you do together today? I wrote to the small group leaders on email yesterday saying, if you were meeting this week, it's a fifth week, so you might not. Why don't you as a family together, a small group together, do something? What are you going to do this week that represents some of what's in Acts 2 here? You've got two minutes. I'm sorry you haven't got longer. Go. What one thing are you going to do this week that will change that perhaps that weakest thing? Are you going to eat together? Are you going to have some fun together? Are you going to worship together? Are you going to share resources, share needs in some way? What one thing are you going to do this week? Let's uh, shoot quickly, though, back to Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. Because that middle part of the passage is all about household, what it means to be part of God's family. And uh, Acts uh, helped us to see that. But right at the end of chapter 2, we learn something really, really significant. It talks about who is the centre, the cornerstone, the, the foundation of that oikos. It says uh, this, In him the whole building is joined together and risen to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives in by his spirit. In the Old Testament, the temple was the place that God's presence dwelt. In the New Testament, we're opened our eyes, Paul opens our eyes to say, you are the temple of God now. You together are his body. You are together his household. And instead of God dwelling in a a temple or a tent like he did in the Old Testament, he dwells in each and every one of us. But he also dwells in us as a household, as a family. It's because of God we're saved. It's because of God we have brothers and sisters. And as we eat together, as we share needs together, as we share resources together, God must be the center of that family.
The only way you can be a family on mission is to know what God is asking you to do together. The only way you'll see miracles and incredible things happen, like it does say here in Acts 2, is if you make God the centre. God's presence will dwell in you as a family when you focus on him, recognising it's all from him and all for him. It's an incredible picture. God's presence is dwelling in us and with us as we act as his family, as we are together, God is in the centre. So who's the centre of your oikos? To finish, the message says uh, these words nicely. Isn't it plain enough? You're no longer wandering exiles. The kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets from the foundation, but now he's using you, fitting you brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, and the holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. I love those words from the message. Who's the centre of your oikos? Who is in your oikos? And how are you as family together this week going to live for God, for God, and because of God? Let's pray together.